0: Hey, before we get started, I just want to remind everyone to, if you haven't already, fill out the end-of-season survey, which you can find in the description for this episode. Now, on to the episode. Hello and welcome to the Alternate History Class Podcast. My name's Andrew, and here I explore alternate history through the lens of a history class from another timeline. Last week, we looked at the calm before the storm of what they call the Great War in this timeline. This week, we'll take a quick look at how black culture developed in the South. Between the Hamburg Agreement and the Great War. Alright, this week we'll be looking at how black culture developed in the South between the Hamburg Agreement and the Great War. There were five pillars in total by the time the Great War came around in the black community. The first three developed very quickly uh, after emancipation. The first of these is family. Now, the reason this was extremely important to blacks Uh, at the time was due to the nature of slavery and the ability of slaveholders to sell slaves off. It was very hard for blacks to form a cohesive family unit, and this was something that was very much intentional by the white slaveholders. They wanted to weaken those bonds because as was believed at the time in the South, the bonds of family are some of the most important bonds that one can have. Now, due to the nature of the Emancipation Law, most freed slaves were infants. (laughs) Um, And so they naturally stayed where they were born. They stayed with their parents. But even as slaves began to be emancipated in 1900, they would continue to stay in the same general area where they were born and didn't usually move more than a day's walk away because they wanted to be near their family members who had been born before the Confederacy had won its independence. But even so, these former slaves were needing jobs, and so they would usually end up working for the former slave owners in a similar manner to the way they had before or how their parents or grandparents in some cases had. Now, another thing that came with this was names. There was not a major culture still for blacks to have last names. Those that that did decide to adopt last names, which were few and far between, would usually take a last name that would reflect what they did for their job. So, you know, things such... As fielder, field hand, smith, very common to how last names developed back in Europe during the Middle Ages. But when it came to first names, because blacks didn't have a lot even after emancipation. They often chose names that were fancy, names that they had heard as parts of the Bible or parts of Greek culture for those who had you know, the ability to read or access to people who did. They would also take the names of Whites they viewed as anti-slavery heroes, uh, so there was still some respect in the South for Abraham Lincoln among the black community. Definitely not among the white community. Some named their children after President Grant, who had, you know, gotten the Hamburg Agreement done. Uh, Some named it after the German chancellor, Bismarck, with the names Otto and Bismarck. Uh, Some even would name their, their children after the Prussian monarch. There was a great deal of respect for those who had gotten the deal done. Uh, outside the Confederacy, in the black community. The second pillar of black culture was faith. Now, Christian faith had been introduced to slaves, for the most part, through their white masters, and this goes back to before the War of Secession, and so Christianity was already very prominent uh, within the black community. And the Hamburg Agreement was viewed by many in the black community as an answer to decades of prayer. They were finally going to be free, and if, even if it didn't apply to them, their children would be free. And this would see, you know, black churches start to pop up in black-dominated neighborhoods. Usually blacks would live in groupings that, you know, reflected where they worked. They were very organized and naturally segregated communities because they were not welcome in white society, and that's where these churches would be. After 1900, these churches would see a boom as now there were even more blacks who could serve as preachers, who now had the time to do that job full-time as they were no longer slaves. And it is believed that an estimated 90% or more of blacks were Christians or would have identified as Christians. Now, there's not a lot of hard data of this uh, before the World War. Uh, Just in general, for blacks or whites, this was not a very commonly asked question in surveys. It is believed that the black community was much more devoutly Christian than the white community. And that wasn't just something that the blacks perceived themselves, it was very much a belief that whites in the North also held. The third pillar that emerged quickly was hard work. Now, a lot of this would tie back to religious teachings and religious interpretations of the Bible, telling people to work hard for their masters, telling people to do their best as to the Lord. But there was also a social aspect to the hard work that the black community did. They wanted to try to earn the respect of whites in their community through their hard work. They wanted to show that they were not lazy, that they were not stupid, that they could do their jobs well. Now, obviously, this did not work as, you know, whites would view any actually hard working black in the time as just naturally the exception to the rule, just because you knew one hard working black or one smart black didn't mean all blacks were like that. It meant that this was the rare exception to the rule. And now, this rejection by the greater Confederate society led to what became the fourth pillar for a lot of blacks. Uh, And that was what is commonly referred to uh, at the time as becoming white. This, you know, as I said, was driven by a desire to be accepted by society in a society where the color of your skin is the most important thing to one's advancement in life. Blacks wanted to move forward as anybody does in society. They wanted to improve their lives. They wanted their lives and their children's lives to get better. And so one one product that popped up and would be prominent for a long time in the black community was a market for products that claimed to lighten your skin, to make you whiter. And this was also part of a trend that saw lighter-skinned uh, black women considered more attractive because society had taught that the lighter the skin color, the better quality person uh, you were, and that pervade black society as well. Uh, And so it was much easier for a mixed-race woman or just a naturally lighter-skinned black woman to get married. You know, the same goat truth was true for men, but it was often the women, you know, that were were often chosen to put a poor term on it. You know, they had less of a say in who they married. Not no say, mind you, but less of a say. Especially in the impoverished black community where, you know, marrying somebody who had a consistent job, like a preacher, you know, a job that could pay the whole year round, was often better than having, you know, your daughter marry someone whose work was seasonal, like a farmhand. But not all Blacks wanted to, quote-unquote, become white. Around 1900, and especially with the election of Williams Jennings Bryan to the U.S. presidency, socialism began to rise in popularity in the Black community. Now, a lot of this was underground through books that were unofficially banned in the confederacy such as the communist manifesto and written works by u.s socialists which blacks would you know the few that could afford to buy them would buy the books and the reader or readers in the community would read to them but Many blacks um, started to believe that this was the answer to their problems, that socialism would solve their problems. Now, it's not a majority, as uh, Confederate propaganda would put out uh, later in time. It wasn't, you know, it's estimated by modern historians that it was about a third of the black community was truly socialist. Now many may have had sympathies for socialism, but only about a third actually were socialists. And now these socialists would reject the becoming white aspect of culture entirely. Uh, they would view it basically as a sin, those that still held their Christian beliefs, which were a minority uh, of the socialists, would view it as a sin. There would be anyone who would participate in that would, you know, be called a race traitor. Um, well, like I said, Christianity became much of a taboo in so in Black socialist society, and this is again where socialism was most prominent in the south now there were some white socialists uh, in the south but they were few and far between but what this group really wanted was a, was to overthrow the confederate government and create a black socialist republic where blacks were in charge And blacks could rule themselves. And the wealth that the whites had had in this new socialist republic would be redistributed equally among everyone. Now, this was obviously not something that was extremely... Realistic, just given the demographics of the Confederacy, considering at the time blacks were outnumbered by whites two to one. But nonetheless, when you have a dream and you have a social ideal, you often ignore what reality is and start to believe that what you believe isn't just the truth, but is the inevitable reality of society. Now this was just a quick look uh, to kind of lay the groundwork for some of the things that will happen during the Great War. And next week we will begin our look at the Great War What the motivation of the major players in the Great War was and how the first few years of the war got started. Thank you for listening to the Alternate History Class Podcast. If you'd like to give any feedback you have, feel free to reach out via Twitter at pod or email the show at class at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe or follow the show on your preferred podcasting platform so you don't miss an episode when it goes live. If you are able want to help the show financially you can support the show on Patreon just search for alternate history class or use the link in the description of this episode if you can't support the show financially that's fine feel free to share the show with someone you think will enjoy it and finally thank you for your most important contribution your time and I'll see you next time as we journey down the path not taken.